What's up, hog killer? My beard is extra long this Monday, John. Dude, your beard is long. Look at that thing. That's what happens when you're living in the middle of nowhere in Texas for a week. You're looking uh, very manly. How was Thank your trip? You. Tell me about the trip. Oh. That was probably the best the best adjective that you could have added to that. Was um, it? Good. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I was thinking you were going to say like ragged. No, 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 no. No, look, you're you looking you're looking good, but dude, you get your hat backwards and the beard growing in, and wear your shirt with the tight sleeves. You got it going on. I'm proud of you. <laughs> Thanks, dude. I appreciate that, man. <laughs> what, what was the question you asked? I'm just overwhelmed by flattery. Uh, just, how your trip was? I want to know how your trip was. Our trip was good. So it started with a, with a, you know, men's retreat um, through a company that basically it's called high caliber hunts. And all that is, is basically it's like men's retreats with an activity to go with it. And this particular activity was um, basically invasive hog hunting in Texas. They run absolutely rampant in the state of Texas um, and they like destroy a lot of stuff. And then it's basically the humans jobs to destroy the hogs. Cause they have no natural predators down there other than maybe like some mountain lions. Um, but yeah, so I did some archery hunting for hogs. Um, and that's like obviously a new hobby for me as of like nine months ago. Uh, but I'm full send into it and was able to get a couple hogs. And after the process was done, I'm going to have 55 pounds of, uh, wild hog meat to feast upon. So I'm excited about that. Oh, look at you. I want to hear about this retreat. What is the retreat all about? What is that? Uh, basically the whole thing is like, they, they get this, uh, they get a group of people together that are all interested in like personal development, business growth, things like that. Um, and you put all those people, you put those people together in like an intimate setting, you know, AKA a small cabin in the middle of nowhere, Texas, uh, you get a lot of conversation because there's a lot of downtime, a lot of time where we're just sitting around the campfire, hanging out, um, eating, drinking, things like that. And it was great. Just, you know, just getting to know people. I think in the future, they're going to even have like more, like more specific ones, like, you know, retreats, maybe around finances, retreats around business. Re like I might actually host one uh, and do one that's fitness based. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. But it it was cool. It's cool. I, I just, I love hanging around people who, who don't settle with status quo. They're always looking to like get more out of life, whether that's just in creating personal freedom or finances or whatever. So those are my kind of people. I have no idea why you're hanging with me then. Um, <laughs> so what was this one about though? Was it, I mean, was this business or was it like personal growth or like, what was the crux of it? I, this one didn't have a theme. It was one of the first ones. So I think it was more of just a test um, they had an, they had a, an author there. There was like a CPA. There was a couple ex-military guys. Um, there was a guy who runs, who's an operations manager of a big crypto company. So it's just like a really interesting group of, of humans. So this is like Illuminati bullshit. You're not allowed to tell me, but am I going to get killed for talking about this? No, no, no. There's, this okay. is not a cult. There's no Illuminati. <laughs> uh, the bloodletting ceremony was pretty chill. So was it? You don't, you don't, they don't make, it's not like when you kill your first deer and they make you. Yeah. Drink I mean, like when I, cut, I cut off hog. my, I cut off the tip of my middle finger I'm showing on camera, Good. Um, but it was worth it. Good. You got more than one hog. How many did you get? Got two. 
got two. I, well, you sent me a picture of one that thing looked as big as you. Now you're a little dude, so I wasn't impressed. But how big was it? What would it weigh? Oh, it was probably a couple. We didn't weigh it, but it's probably a couple hundred pounds. But in terms of actual like usable meat, after you get the guts out and stuff like that, it you know it, it's way less. Uh, and their hides are oh my gosh, their hides are so heavy, it's insane. Um, but yeah, that one was probably like 200 pounds. And then I had another one that was, I don't know, that one was probably like 85 pounds. You were in a tree stand, right? Yeah. Man, that thing was intimidating looking like, you know, first of all, I should say this out loud. Nobody send me hate mail about hunting. All right. Like boar, wild boars are mean AF. Like (laughs) these are not, it's like hunting lions. Like these things are not nice. Oh yeah, hunting lions. That I'm sure that'll get you less canceled, John. Oh, no, I'm saying like from a. I'm just thinking from a dangerous standpoint. Yeah, yeah. Like, they're, they're, like they, I understand why people get upset when you talk about hunting deer because, like, I have deer in my backyard probably right now even, and they are like the most gentle, sweet, like beautiful animals. Wild boars will kill you. They're not. They do not care. They will absolutely knock you down. Like they're badasses. Yeah. My, I mean, my whole thing is like, man, if you're if you're going to eat meat, I'd much rather like know where it came from and, and have the personal responsibility to like harvest and butcher it. Like I, I cleaned it myself and uh, I don't know. I'm connected a lot more to that meat than I would if I went across the street to Safeway and bought a pork tenderloin. Uh, and I'm, I'm that animal you. lived a much happier life than the, than the one in the, the feeding operation. So that's kind of my oh. thought on it. Right up into the moment you yeeted it. Um, yeah, <laughs> it was having a great night, man. Yeah, right up until that moment. What single shot, one shot with the bow? Oh, yeah, yep. Look at and you. those archery, and they, I mean, it's they're hard to find once you ugh, those pigs are indestructible in a sense, but yeah, it was archery and uh, good shot placement is key. That's good, dude. No, look, I'm I'm not critiquing hunting. I, you know, I grew up in a hunting family, I don't hunt now, but I grew up in a hunting family. and you know, we always have the same rule, whatever you kill, you eat, you know, yep. you don't kill for sport. You take it home, you fill oh. your freezer. It was always the point. Like you fill your freezer full of food, you know, and yep. feed your family for the winter, you know? Yep. So I got a big family to feed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, I'm the same way. I, and it's interesting. You say like, Oh, you grew up hunting. I didn't, I was against hunting. I mean, even though I'm a fisherman, like I was like, I, I, I don't, I don't get it. It doesn't make sense. And then when I moved out here to the West, I realized how, how so many people out here in Colorado or just the West Montana, Wyoming, Utah, they, they live off of the things that they harvest over the course of the year, whether that's trout, whether that's turkeys, which I'm trying to get on some spring turkeys right now. Hint, hint, if anyone's listening and has land that I can hunt turkeys on, let me know. Um, But like they're living off of the land around them. And then when my buddy explained it to me and how all of the money that you put into buying tags goes directly back into the state's natural resources. Um, it's what funds a lot of the uh, forest protection uh, more so than normal taxes. It's, it's what funds a lot of national parks. It, it's, it funds the protection of the same animals that we like all love and helps manage them. And that's the key is like, now that there aren't any natural predators and introducing natural predators to a city like Denver would not be the right move. You right. don't want packs of wolves running around in Vail, Colorado. Um, this is the way to prevent animals from like literally starving in the winter and also like keep that ecosystem balanced. So like there are people who their entire job is to figure out what people should and should not hunt for and what the bag limits should be 
And in this particular sense with the hogs, um, they have determined that hogs are absolutely like they should be exterminated uh, from South Texas because they're a huge, huge issue. They're hurting the local the local populations and they're killing crops and they're spreading disease and all kinds of stuff. So I got two. I got two. Oh. Dude, they did that once here in Ohio. I mean, we're not talking about fitness at all, but they did this. Uh, this was several years ago. The deer here, the deer population is so out of control. They had mm-hmm. to call the deer. And so they brought in professional sharpshooters and put them up in the metro parks and in the neighborhoods and shooting them right there in the neighborhoods because there's so many of this dangerous to the cars. Like, I can't tell you how many times. I'll be driving out by the mall and this is a very busy area I live in and you'll see deer just sprinting across these four lane roads, you know, and, uh, you know, you know, we've infringed on their territory, but so be it, I guess. It's just, uh, it's just interesting that they have to do that. And they do the same thing here. Like all the money you put in goes back to the state and to the, you know, to the wildlife commission. Yeah. So it's it's something I never thought I'd get into, but it's become a, um, it's a hobby that requires a lot of dedication. It's connecting me more to my food uh, and it requires a lot of fitness, which is what this podcast is about. Eventually. I promise. Um, it does require a ton of fitness and that's, I think what draws me to it the most. Yeah. I've had those moments. Like, you know, I, I you know, this has been 10 years ago when I started CrossFit, I was probably a couple of years in and I was, you know, I was fit ish starting to get fit. And, um, I remember, you know, getting all that gear on and, you know, you get, you know, the boots alone are 10 pounds, you know, then you got the, if you're doing a climbing tree stand, which I was, you know, that thing's, you know, another 40 pounds probably. And then you've got, you've got your bow or your gun, whichever one you're hunting with, and you've got all your other gear. By the time you're done, you know, you're wearing 50 to 80 pounds worth of gear. And then you're walking two miles into the woods and then you got to climb a tree. Yeah. (laughs) Like the the tree climbing part. I didn't do that until. Um, I hung up with my brother last Christmas. That was so much fun. I just oh, I carried this it. little contraption. I didn't know those things existed. And I just found a tree and climbed to the top of it. And I was like, oh my goodness, that is cool. Oh, that's part why, partly why I don't do it. Cause I don't like heights and I've got this really awesome climbing stand. If you ever come to Ohio, I should just give it to you. Cause I'm it's just sitting in my basement. I'm not using it. I want it. And, I'm coming. Uh, I'm going to go get it. It's great, dude. I should mail it to you. It is so good. And, uh, but you know, you climb these trees and you, and you, you've got to get up at a minimum 15 feet in there. You can't, you know, I mean, you know, deer are really sensitive to sound and great eyesight and, you know, so you gotta, you have to get really high, you know, 20 feet's preferable. And I don't like that height. Like that's the height where you start breaking shit (laughs) and, uh, you know, you get high winds up there, starts getting nervous. I just don't like it. So I, uh, I gave it up. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm just, I'm braving the fears that you were unable to endure. You Mm. know, that's all it is. It's too bad too. That was a good shot with that bow, but oh, well, (laughs) so be it. So be it. Well, I'm glad you made it back in one piece, safe and sound, manly beard and all. I'm sure women are just like throwing panties at you as you're walking out on the street today. Just. I mean, you know, it, uh, it was a crazy, crazy time going outside earlier today. I had to make sure I locked all my doors. Mm. I was trying to come up with a topic for the podcast for tonight. Cause you know, I really don't plan well in advance. I messaged, uh, one of your employees and I won't say who, but it rhymes with Havana. And, uh, I go, what should our topic for the podcast be? And she goes, 
maybe you two can compare abs for the hour. <laughs> oh gosh. Well, woof. uh, we have some great, great, um, comparisons, but they're not, they're not going to take place yet. I'm I didn't ready. want you to feel bad. So I told her, no, I'm not doing a, I didn't want you to feel bad on your first day back. I'm so. not prepared for that. Um, I, I mean, like, I think we've talked about this a little bit before, but, um, if, unless you have any other topics, I mean, one thing that was really fascinating to me this weekend is, uh, so I had this men's retreat, but then it also parlayed into, um, a fitness camp or, uh, yeah, basically, um, an elk hunting camp where there's a lot of fitness being taught. So I'm brought in by this guy who runs these basically like imagine a level one seminar, but it's for people who are trying to do the very, very difficult thing, which is, you know, learn how to successfully harvest an elk with a bow, like archery elk. Um, And I teach the fitness aspect of this camp. And so throughout the weekend, we did a various, you know, amount of workouts and stuff like that. And it, man, it's crazy to see how many people, even people who like look lean, right? Like they look fit, I guess, by some technical definition, couldn't, like couldn't hardly complete the workout of it was literally like a couple sprints 30 total air squats and 30 total walking lunges that's it like we're talking like barely a warm-up i was there with one of my buddies who's also a fitness coach this was his first camp experience he's just like dude i had no idea how many people like are trying to do these hard things but they they have no baseline level of fitness. And this isn't a knock on the people. This is just like, I think it's like a societal norm to think you're fit just simply if you're not obese. And it's like those two things are two totally right. different things. Uh, and I think that was something that really kind of was brought to my attention that like a lot of people are afraid to go because they know me as like the CrossFit expert. A lot mm-hmm. of people are afraid to go to a CrossFit gym because they don't think they're fit enough. And normally I say, no, that's not the purpose. You should go. And then they will scale down to every, you know, any lay, any level of fitness. But then I also realize how intimidating is it for someone to go do a CrossFit workout when 30 air squats and 30 air lunges and a couple like short, we'll call them jogs is enough to completely exhaust them and make them sore. I can understand where they're coming from. So what's like, how do we, how do we bridge this gap between the, the, you know, people who want, they know they need to get into fitness, like this entire group of campers, but they're terrified to kind of expose themselves to what actual fitness is. Well, I'm not terrified to expose myself, Ben. Not at all. (laughs) No, I look, I, Uh, I think people fall into there's, there's so much. And what you just said there, um, I think a lot of people's problem is in their mind, they're still fit. Like people's fitness is often like their hairstyles. Like when you think you're the the best you're ever going to look, you always think you look that way. Mm-hmm. Right. You, you, see, you ever see these people still have like eighties hairstyles. That's when they thought they were the hottest fittest they ever were or nineties or whatever. Yeah. And fitness is the same way. Like they were the starting quarterback or linebacker or baseball player, or they ran track or whatever they did. 
and they were really good at it. And then they quit, but in their mind, they can still do that. I can still go, you know, I can still go run an eight minute mile or six minute mile or whatever they were doing. Even though they haven't proved it to themselves in years and years and years. They're like, I'll be fine. I'll be able to do it. Yeah. And they always think, well, I'll get back to that. And they never, that's part of it that, you know, like I'll never get back to it. Then there's the other end of the spectrum. And I think this is the bigger problem of the two, to be honest, is a, they don't know where to start and B they're not, it's not that they're not willing for the time commitment. They can't see that far into the future. Meaning like I often think of my own goals, like I, you know, I play guitar. And so I'm right lately. I've been thinking a lot about it because I'm 51 and I'm like, man, I started when I was 13. I should be way better than I am right now, you know? And, but I, I'm changing that negative self-talk by telling myself how good do I want to be at 60? Mm. How good can I be nine years from now? Like thinking about how good I could be three months from now is not a significant change, but how good could you be in nine years? Mm. And then I start thinking about my fitness. And like, I was thinking about this today, actually, it's ironic. You brought this up. Like I was thinking about when I started at 40, I had never worked out ever to, you know, or much had never done sports. And I thought fitness was being able to do a lot of push-ups and a few pull-ups and look lean, you know, to your point, not be obese, mm-hmm. you know? And here I am 10 years later, measuring myself and my body on a completely different spectrum of fitness, because now I've got this kind of decade behind me of seeing progress and yeah. like my body's completely different than it was 10 years ago. So it's know? almost like you recalibrated your definition of what, success was well so here yeah like here's a real life story so this weekend i had to go shop I have, to, I have to go to a meeting tomorrow and i didn't have a suit i haven't had to wear a suit since the pandemic started at all like what you know the bank when we quit wearing suits yeah and we went to what we call business casual so or smart casual so we wear jeans every day so i have yeah. literally not put on a suit in two years you know and so i had to go buy a suit and so I, dude, I shopped for five hours. It was ridiculous. And I finally found one and I'm not shitting you. I wear the same size now that I wore in ninth grade. Boy, that's crazy. It's insane. Absolutely. Waist size. Now you know, I'm, I'm taller than I was, but my waist size is the same. Hmm. And that's crazy. Right. And that's, but, but here's the thing. Um, my body type is so different. You couldn't, you can't really tell on photos. Like I'm, I look way bigger than I am. I just have a smaller waist than I did. And that's a decade of fitness. And my point to that is people can't see that far into the future. They, all they can see in their mind is what they saw in the mirror this morning. And that significant change is going to be really hard and going to take forever. Yeah. And forever for most people is six months when in reality it's 10 years. Yeah. And I think, this reminds me so much, and I know everyone's probably heard of this, and hopefully you have too, John, is many people overestimate what's possible in one year and drastically underestimate what's possible in 10 years. You know, and you can play around with those numbers, but the, yeah. the basically the moral of that is like a lot of people, they their expectations of like the the goals that they can accomplish in the next six months, let's say even in CrossFit, because we're going to tie this together to CrossFit. But like if I have these CrossFit goals or these fitness goals in the next six months, like it puts a ton of pressure on you, which could mm-hmm. be good pressure, 
but you're pro- you have a tendency to overestimate what you can accomplish in six months. But then there's this weird thing that happens where we don't see like the compound effect, you know, like like compound interest, like the compound effect of our decisions in 10 years, we drastically underestimate where we could be, right? right. Ju- just with consistent habits. Because, you know, doing a 20-minute Metcon five days per week or even three days per week, let's say three days per week, in six months, like, yeah, depending on where you start, you might notice a pretty significant difference. But the tra- trajectory of your life 10 years from now compared to 10 years of not doing that is like, it's almost unfathomable. I was reading a sci-fi novel uh, a few uh, weeks ago that I finished in like two days. And it talks about, we talked about the multiverse and stuff yeah. like that. But like, it's crazy to think that like just adding one simple habit that pulls you in the direction of being more fit, almost imperceptibly will have any life change in about six months. But fast forward that to five years or 10 years, it's like you're a completely different human being. And those little decisions make up so much. So um, that all ties back to this, you know, idea of like, wow, if you, if you had told yourself back when you were in ninth grade that um, like if, if you had the same fitness habits since ninth grade, and I wonder what you would look like now compared to the fact yeah. that you kind of started late in life. Like be interesting to see. Yeah. Be, I, well, I think that often it's like, what would have happened if I'd started fitness at 30 instead of 40, mm-hmm. you know, how fit would I be? Would I have more like, what would I look like? It was funny. I saw a video of Scott Panchik posted a video this week and he was talking to a friend of mine's kid. And he said to the kid, if every day you find one, if you go do one thing that no one else is willing to do, and you do that one thing, you'll continue to get better and you'll grow. And they, you know, and obviously they, you know, the end of that is they, they won't. And it really resonated with me when I started thinking about like back when I started, I didn't know what those things were like CrossFit was just hard, you know, and, but we're out there doing 15 minute Metcons. And I think I kind of languished away for a couple of years thinking, well, if I just work hard, I'll get there. And there is progress in that work hard. Don't get me wrong. Like there's no offense to anyone that just goes in and does, you know, four or five days a week. That's great. But I, I do think there has to be some sort of like, you know, goal or what am I working toward? And looking back on it, I wish I'd done that. You know, I wish I thought, well, if I just go do this for a year, this is to your point of, um, you know, why people think that they overestimate their goals. I thought, well, if I just go do this for a year, I'll be ripped. You know, I'll have a six pack, I'll have big arms. I'll, you know, women will be flagging me down on the street. And none of that came true. None of it. Absolutely none of it. Well, and, what women are flagging you down, they just think you're the, they're like, oh, Uber, Uber. Oh, yeah, no. yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, excuse me. Do you work here? That's what it was like. Um, <laughs> you know, so I, 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 w- looking back on it, I wish I had had a coach that, and I'm not blaming my coaches, but I wish I'd had someone that could have given me, or helped me shape those goals. Mm-hmm. You know, if, you know, if I had said, well, I'd like to have big arms and a six pack, they would have said, maybe you shouldn't be doing CrossFit five days a week. Right. <laughs> maybe you need to be doing more accessory work and more curls and change your diet dramatically and, you know, focus more on presses or more whatever. Um, you know, just making sure what you're working toward is lining up to that. And I'm not sure yeah. CrossFit always does that, depending on what your goals are. It's just think we think it's a catch-all, and it is not a catch-all. 
mm-hmm. you know, and this, I say that with complete and utter love to CrossFit. Cause this, you know, you know me, that's like, it's my main discipline, but you know, if you don't really think about what you're training and you just think, well, training five days a week, will get it done. Odds are pretty good. It won't. Right. You know, yeah. some sort of structure. Yeah. Yeah. Having some sort of structure and then um, looking at it through a long-term lens. I mean, it, it's okay to have short-term goals, but uh, even today, actually, I was doing like, I finally took some time to do some journaling on, you know, how did, how did year uh, 32 go? for me. And what do I want year 33 to look like? Cause it was my birthday a couple of weeks ago. And, uh, I also was like looking at investments and finances and stuff like that. And just kind of went back through a couple of the books that I've read, you know, in the past. And they all just talk about like, you have to have long-term, long-term goals with short, short-term actions. It's like, what are the things you're doing consistently? But then you have to look at how are those things going to add up? 30 years in the future or 20 years in the future. And if you don't do that with investing, it's really easy to stop saving and stop investing and just, you know, live life in the moment. Cause you like, look, it's not even adding up. But then when that compound interest, you know, takes hold, it does a lot of magical things. So I think that kind of goes with, with every habit, whether it's fitness, whether it's life, whether it's investing, all these habits, we have to have short-term actions with long-term goals or long-term vision for what we want to look like. It's a, it's a really interesting way to think about it. I mean, I'm in banking and we talk about this a lot and I've told my daughters for years, they think I'm crazy. I mean, you keep in mind, my daughters are 18 and 20. So I'm having these finance discussions with them. And I said to one of them once, I'm like, when you start your first real job, I'm going to insist that you go all in on your 401k, every penny you can put in, you have to put in. And if you do that, you'll be able to retire at 40. Yep. But you have to be willing to go all in and put every penny into it. Otherwise, yep. you know, you're going to be working to your 60. Yeah. And, and no one ever taught me that. And and the, the fitness discussion is not that different from that. When you think about it, like if you go all in early when you don't uh-huh. have busted ankles and knees and, uh-huh. you know, feel like hell every morning you wake up, um, you know, and you spend you know, kind of the, you know, that 20 to 30, 30 to 40, mm. by the time you get to 40, that 40 to 50 range isn't as hard anymore. It's still hard. Right. Don't get me wrong. We're still doing hard things, but you have such a, a much more solid base that it allows yeah. you to progress with more grace through, you know, kind of the, the later years. And yeah. along that same analogy, I think, um, if you start late, like I did, you have, you often have to do what a lot of people do financially. Like you have to start putting in, you know, uh, you know, big late, lump sums. Yeah. Big late deposits into your 401k and, and, um, you know, kind of cutting back in the later years in order to have enough to retire. And it's the same thing at my age now. Like, you know, I, I feel like I have to work harder at my current age than I should have to, because I didn't work hard from yep. 20 to 40. Yep. Yeah, it's really interesting because you see, like, I think that helped me with in my CrossFit journey. I mean, it helped that, yeah, I did start early for all intents and purposes, but um, I also had like an athletic background. So I did have a certain baseline of fitness prior to jumping into this specific fitness domain. And I think that helped me. Um, So exactly to your point, if you have this, like if you can front load a lot of the work and you are someone who's able to start earlier, 
it's going to have that compound effect so that, you know, when I compare apples to apples versus someone my age with the same athletic ability, uh, but they just started CrossFit or, 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 you know, they're just getting into it three months ago, but they're the same level of athlete, but I've been doing it for the last 10 years. We're, we're, it's starting in two different, or we are currently in two different places because I was the one kind of putting deposits into that bank account. Or if we just want to look at it from overall fitness, there's a lot of people who, you know, they were athletes maybe in high school and college, and then had a long period where they stopped. Compare that to someone who didn't do anything in high school and college, and then they're starting right after college. There's still that, that person who was an early athlete still is kind of probably a couple steps ahead and can get into it a lot quicker. I guess the, the, the perfect storm is like, you can't really look at your past. You just have to look at the future. And the, it's the best time to invest and the best time to start training is yesterday, right? Like, or today. So you, you mentioned um, kind of short-term and long-term goals. How are you breaking those up for you? Are you doing like, I think most people think, all right, kind of immediate, which is short-term and 10 years from now. Is that what you're thinking or do you have multiple goals, multiple years? Yeah. So I actually, I need to redo these, but I have a notebook back over my shoulder. I'm pointing to, um, I have a notebook that I made probably like six years ago. And I went through this drill where basically I, I made goals for 10 years down the road. And then I used the, like, what do I want my life to look like in 10 years? And granted, it's okay if those things change, but at this, at this moment in time, what do I want my life to look like in 10 years? Okay. After setting those goals, like I remember one of those was like to be the old fit guy. And I had a couple of like things that I defined as being an old fit guy, you know, having a certain level of gray hair and then still having six pack and being able to you know, being able to lift a certain amount of weight. I forget what I wrote down, but I had like the definition of what old fit guy meant. I had some financial goals. I had some business goals. um, I had some lifestyle goals, things like that. And then I took those 10 year goals and then I asked, okay, in five years, where do these goals need to be for me to be on track to hit them in 10? And then I, you know, basically took it's easy when it's numbers based, but like you take the finance goal from 10 years and then you try to figure out like, all right, what trajectory do I need to be on to hit that? Um, And then you take those five-year goals and you do the same thing for one year. It's called dreamlining to the now. And I forget which book, you know, one of the early self-development books that I read where it talks about that. But basically it's like you, rather than just starting like, all right, I want to be here in 10 years. And then what am I going to do today to do it? It's, it's more helpful if you connect the dots from 10 years to five years to one year to this year or to, you know, this month. And then you kind of dreamline or you, you work your way back to like, all right, what actions can I take on a weekly basis to make those 10-year goals happen or put myself on that trajectory? And, you know, at least I'm heading in the right direction. That was a really powerful exercise for me. And I think it probably influenced me subconsciously more than I even knew. You know, people often mess with that. I see this at work a lot. Um, when you're setting goals, people think, all right, whatever that goal may be, I can accomplish this in five years. The question they don't ask is how long should it take? Mm. And I think that's the thing I would challenge people. If you're going to go out and do this, if you're going to set goals for yourself, whether it's one, three, five, seven, ten 10 years, 
however far you're going to set them out, you should always ask how long should it take? And mm-hmm. I think you want to be reasonable on both ends of that spectrum. You know, like I give an example. Um, I've been stuck at the same deadlift weight for a couple of years now, mm-hmm. you know? And the question is, is, well, how long should it take for me to get over that hump? You know, like mm-hmm. it, a lot of people think, well, I've, you know, if I start now, if my, if my deadlift right now is 275, I should be able to get to 400 within a year and a half if I really focus on it. Well, should you? I don't know. Ask your coach. Like, there's a lot that lines up there. You want to make sure it's a reasonable goal. Maybe you can get to 500. I don't know. I don't know anything about you, but I think you got to, you know, some, those are some of the things you have to figure out is like, what's a reasonable goal? And, and, you know, can you give yourself stretch goals? And can you make sure you're keeping your timeframes in a, in a, domain that is challenging you to get better. I think often yeah. we go, well, five years from now, I want to be able to do 50 pull-ups. Well, yeah, no shit. You got five years to do that. Maybe you should be able to do that in a year. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, you know, how long should it take? Yeah. Challenge yourself is the point. Yeah. It's like, they need to be, it needs to be a stretch goal. And again, it all kind of circles back to the first point that we made. It's like, there's a, it's a very fine line between underestimating where you could be in 10 years and then overestimating where you're going to be in one year. And there's like, it's, it's a, it's a tough thing. So looping in someone to help you with those goals is probably really beneficial because there's definitely people who can help, you know, various coaches. I know Dawn, you know, from the mental strength course, she is someone who does a really good job of like really working people through their goals and helping them understand the why behind creating those goals. And, and how to achieve, like, are you willing to do the work to achieve them? Or do you just like the idea of having that goal? Because <laughs> a lot of people are just like, oh yeah, like I have this goal, but it's like, what are you actually doing in your actions right. to prove to yourself and to others that you're actually taking steps in that direction? Oh, I love having goals. Um, I don't always love the work that comes into getting to them. Yeah. You know? And I think that's the point. Um yeah. I mean, we were kind of, I know it's all, this is kind of vague. So I guess I would advise people like you need to go find someone that can help you identify the goals that you should have and whether they're obtainable, or not how long it should take, whether that's your coach or a fit friend, you know, like I'm routinely reaching out to guys like you, you know, friends like you or other, you know, athletes that I know have done whatever I want to do and say, Hey, is this reasonable? Is this like, should I be able to do this? Well, why can't I like getting right. back, you know? And yeah. And it's okay, by the way, to say, I thought I wanted to do that, but now I don't. I'll give you an example. Like I wanted to learn how to walk on my hands. And uh, because I'm kind of a big deal, I reached out to Alex Smith. Right. And I'm like, Hey, Alec, I want to learn to, I want to name drop. I'm like, I want to learn to walk on my hands. What do I need to do? He's like, well, you have to get inverted every day. I'm like, what? And he's like, yeah, you have to do something inverted every day. And I'm like, all right, I'm out. <laughs> Never mind. I'm, yeah. I'm like, I know me. I'm not going to do this five, five to seven days a week. I, right. I'm not like, I'm not like, I'm, so I'm not gonna learn to walk on my hands. And does it make me a wuss? Maybe <laughs> like, but I'm real. I was being realistic with myself. I have goals that are bigger than that. That yeah. it just is not as important. It's not so important to me that I'm willing to invest five to seven days a week on it. Yeah. Every goal has an opportunity cost. Uh, And I think a lot of people don't understand that. Like when you set a goal and you actually do the actions to achieve it, that you bet that goal better be one that you really want. Like it needs to be a hell yes, or it's a no, because 
the actions that you're taking to make that goal happen are taking away from potential other things in life that you could be achieving. So yeah. you did the right thing where you're like, man, if it takes five days a week, you're getting inverted. I don't care about that much. I got other things I want to do five days per week. Oh, like, I, dude, I have so many other goals I'd rather you know? hit than walk. like walking on your hands is cool, but I'm like, am I going to be doing that at 65? Probably not. Like I, I want to be strong at 65. So maybe I should focus on things right now that will help me do that. And so, you know what? I do a lot of squats and deadlifts. Yeah. Cause I'll, when you're 65, you still got to bend over and pick up a big bag of cat food or, or, you know, for being who's always hungry and will live forever probably. Yeah. Um, but it's just a fact, like, you know, those are functional things and walking in your hands isn't functional. It looks great. And Alec makes it look fantastic, but mm-hmm. not my thing. Yeah. You know? So I think you got to pick those things. Yeah, um, absolutely. That's good stuff, dude. You got a lot out of that retreat. Came back a grown man. I like that. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I mean, in I think a lot of times as a coach, it I don't know, just it helped when I see other people who are who are like struggling, like where their actions aren't aligning with their goals. Like again, back to the elk shape camp. It's like these guys want to be able to come to Colorado, climb mountains, and then pack out a bull elk that weighs 650 pounds, multiple miles back to the trailhead at elevation coming from Texas. And, and we're only four and a half, five months away. And you can't do 30 air squats and 30 lunges. Like that shows me actions are not aligning with goals. Like there is a, there is a strong disconnect with the, it's like they want to be, they want to think that they're, setting themselves up to be an elk hunter, them spending money to come to this camp was like, Oh yeah. Like, see, look at what I'm doing, but their actual actions, like when, when the rubber meets the road, so to speak, their actions of fitness and shooting and stuff like that are clearly not aligned with the actual goals. And I think sometimes it takes a little bit of education, which is exactly why my buddy Dan programs these workouts. It takes educating people for them to actually realize like, Oh wow. I said, I wanted to do that. But now that I actually see what's involved, I don't know if I can, or I need to reach, I need to shift the way that I live. And when I see this a lot, a lot of times with people who come to wad prep and they're like, Hey, I want to be a games athlete. And we're like, all right, let's see where your current level of fitness is. All right. Like those are solid numbers. Here's what it's going to take. And our one-on-one coaches, you know, we have a free consultation that we give. And then head coach CJ is like, here's what it's going to take for you to achieve those goals. Is that something you're willing to do? And there's a lot of people that are like, "Uh uh-huh. And then they spend the money. Um, and then a uh, month in, they're just like, uh-uh, you know? Right. And then there, there are, you know, just as many, if not more people that are like, hey, wow, that's a lot more than I thought. But yes, I am willing to do it. And then they they step up and they achieve it. So it's it's really interesting when, when you're actually faced with what it takes to get there. Yeah, I, I think of those people you're talking about that can't do the 30 air squats or, you know, the lunges that you're asking them to do. And then I'm in my mind, I'm comparing them to our listeners who are scaling bailers and like trying to get yeah. through workouts and not kill themselves. And if I could give some people some advice, it would be, you know, set goals like we're talking about, but set some really short term ones that you can actually track progress on and stick to it. So I'm going to give you a personal example. I've been, uh, I bought an assault runner a few months back and, um, I thought, all right, I'm going to get a runner in the house. I'll start running more. I'll be fitter. This would be great. 
first time I got on that thing, I'm like, this sucks. This was a waste of money. It's like 2,500 bucks down the drain. Why did I buy it? My calves hurt. My ankles hurt. You know, I'm quite literally messaging the owner of Assault going, hey, I don't think the monitor on this thing works right because it's saying I run like a 10 minute mile and there's no way that's possible, you know? And she's like, no, it's pretty accurate. You're just slow, you know? (laughs) And uh, so anyway, fast forward now, I'm, you know, it's been less than a year. It's been probably six months, right? And now I'm in the beta test for Assault Fitness for their new runner program. I did a 42 minute workout today. Yeah. Running only 42 minutes, literally intervals of sprinting, you know, for, you know, it's probably, you know, you get so it's work to rest, but it ends up being 30 minutes of sprinting. It was a 5k worth of sprinting, you know, and I felt mm-hmm. great when it was over. I mean, it hurt and it was hard, but I did it. And that's six months later, Yeah, you know, because in between that, was one day of doing 400 meters and then going doing something else and the next day 600 meters and then doing something else and mm-hmm. gradually building up and and you know me i'm real anal retentive like i meticulously track everything i'm doing so i'm like well if this week in total i ran 2000 meters next week i'm going to do 3000 and the next week i'm yeah. going to do 3500 and i'm inching it up until now i'm at the point where i can run pretty good yeah. like, now, now i'm sitting there going i kind of can't wait for murph now Cause to see what I can actually do on the road, like, like how fast can I run? I don't know. Like, yeah. and I think that's the, like, there's, there's power and freedom in tracking what you're doing and setting short-term goals and achieving them and adjusting your goals based on what you're achieving mm-hmm. and, and realizing that, you know, the prize isn't getting to the goal. It's like, it's the learning in between there. So eventually when you do have to compete, you know what you're capable of. You know what you can push to, and now you're pushing past what you think you're capable of. And that's where like the real beauty of all this, I think, comes in. I get really passionate about this. Like, I just think that's the the beauty of what we're doing is like, at some point, I'm going to go out and test this. It'll be at Murph, truthfully, and see what I can do. And I might be disappointed (laughs) and I might be ecstatic. I don't know, but I'll find out. And that's, Mm -hmm. that's where all of this lies for us, I think. Yeah, it's, it's fun that we have the opportunity to test and retest our fitness. And that's, I think, I think that's what makes CrossFit so special um, is that we get to test ourselves in a bunch of different domains. It's not just, Mm -hmm. you know, your 5k time. It's not just bench squat deadlift. Like there's so many different tests that we get to like, Ooh, like I wonder if I can improve this specific thing or like, wow, it'll surprise you. You're like, man, I, we haven't done this workout in six months. I haven't practiced any of these moves and I just crushed my previous score. It's like, that's one of the cool things about CrossFit is it, is it, is it continually surprises everyone with the kind of fitness and the type of fitness that it creates. Hey, I'm gonna give a shout out real quick too, because I didn't do it at the top of the show, but before I did that 42 minute workout, I took some, you can, and it kicked ass and it totally helped. That's the other thing you had to do. What did you take? Did you take the the energy powder was it a bar? Uh, the granola is my go-to right now, dude. It's yeah, you've so been good. Smashing the granola, dude. They sent me three bags of that, and I I got home from work, and I'm like, I'm hungry. I didn't eat enough at lunch, and so I got some Greek yogurt, and I put some vanilla granola in it, and 42 minute workout never crashed. Not nice. even, I didn't come close to crashing. I was exhausted, dude. This workout was hard, man. It was. 
you did um, basically the first 20 minutes was like minute and a half uh, increments at 80% of your sprint. Mm-hmm. And you'd get a minute and a half rest. So that's the first 20 minutes, but the second 20 minutes was you did five rounds of um, 30 seconds on 15 seconds off. Then you did four rounds of 30 seconds on 15 seconds off all at 90% of your sprint. Then it was three rounds um, at the same. And I thought we were done then. So I'm going balls to the wall. And then this girl on the TV is like, all right, now you're going to do seven more rounds of Tabata, 20 seconds on, 10 seconds off at your max sprint. And I'm like, you were killing me. Oh, you were no. killing me. It was so tough. But I never hit the wall. Like, I'm telling you that uh, it's, like a ma- it's like a magic drug, and it's not even a drug. It's just amazing. So love it. Good stuff. Go to youcan.co. You say scale, save 20%. My best commercial is the best I can do. But You, split, you did great. Dude, I'm telling you, like, I know they're paying us to say it, but I love this stuff and it tastes good. So that's my best. Carbs are are a very real fuel source, everyone. And when you can get a nice clean one, we don't have to think too much about it. That's a double, double positive whammy. Although I have to say my daughter has some Rice Krispie treats over here and I had one of those the other day and those are pretty damn good too. Those are pretty good too. Yep. (laughs) I'm just saying you can get, you can and save 20% or you can just go buy Rice Krispie treats and those are pretty good. (laughs) We should talk to you. Might not be as, uh, you know, the label might be a bit different, but. Well, they're probably, yeah. Those burn off a little different. I should talk to them, see if maybe they'll make it some Rice Krispie treats. That would be cool. That would be cool. You can, you can Krispies. I'm into it. Let's do it. <laughs> you can Krispies. That's the best. All right, dude. Well, dude, I'm glad you had fun on your trip. Yeah. I love learning new things, meeting new people. All is good, man. When are you going back? Back there, back to Texas, or uh, they're done with the camps oh. for the year. Um, but next week, I. Another I vacation? Another vacation? I know, just, I know yes. when I say this, you're just going to. No, gonna go ahead. Go ahead. Where are you going next week? What's on the, we, we should do a whole podcast of where's Ben. It's going to be like, where's Waldo? Where's Ben? I'm going to an Island in the Pacific called Hawaii. Oh my God. Seriously. It's only for a couple of days though. How long have you had this trip on the books? I haven't heard this before. It's been a while. It's been a while. This is actually one of the only, one of the first trips we're doing axis deer in Hawaii, which is another, it's another overpopulated thing. So hopefully I'm flying back with a, with two checked coolers. Wow. Hawaii, huh? That's cool, man. Yeah, I'm going to Molokai. Um, I don't I know nothing about Molokai yet, but I'm excited to learn. Do you know uh, do you know Freddie Camacho? He's out there, him and China Cho. I I've obviously heard of them, but I don't I don't know them that that much personally. Dude, I, I should introduce you. Freddie is great. He's a great yes. dude and yeah. uh fit as hell too. I mean, you know, I don't know. China, I wouldn't China get a obviously is, but but Freddie is too. And awesome. uh, yeah, they're living the dream out there in Hawaii, man. Yeah, a uh, bunch of people were out there that I know uh, for uh, fundraiser for the Kailea Foundation. Mm-hmm. I think is what it's how it's pronounced. Anyway, looks awesome, super awesome place, and I'm excited to at least spend a few days there. It's kind of a quick trip, uh, but I'm I'm super stoked to get there. I'm jealous. Thanks for the invite. I appreciate it. Um, Hey man, I'm, you bring your bow. Let's go. Axis deer, baby. Look at me. I'm made for Hawaii. Look at this head. Made for it. They have hats. 
I would literally combust. I would step off the plane and just catch on fire. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be interesting coming from Colorado to Hawaii, but yeah, Texas wasn't that big of a shock. So even though it was 99 degrees last Tuesday. All right, we're going to play this game every week now. Just every time we do a podcast. Just where you where, where are you going next? I got. I have a. I have quite the lineup because we haven't even gotten into the other ones. So got Mexico, got a little Canada, got a little Croatia, but we'll keep it all a mystery. Do uh, do your dogs pout when you get back? Yes, they hate me. Do they? They're not. They're with their. They're with their mother. We do joint custody uh, right. right now. But uh, but yeah, they they're they, you know they're like, are you kidding? They're excited, but also like, come on, dude. Right. But Bean does that when I, when I'm gone for a few days, people think cats like to be alone. They don't, they're just mm-hmm. like dogs. They don't like to be alone. Does he give you the side eye? Oh, dude. I walk in the door and he like angrily meows at me for like an hour. <laughs> and then he'll come like sit next to you. But I give you that look like, yeah, you're a dick. You've been gone for a week. And Why then you, how could you do this to me? And then he'll like crawl up on you, but then he'll bite you. <laughs> You know, like, like I, I love you, but I'm still mad at you kind of thing, you know, nice. and then to be super clingy for a couple of days, huh. like just follow you in every room, you know, pets are funny. They're the best. That's the best. All right, dude. Well, good times. All right. I, I'm sure we'll talk, but have fun on your trip. And uh, for everyone listening, send us some questions. We need some more questions. I had one in the queue. We'll use it next week, but uh, send us questions. We'd love to answer some more uh Thoughts from listeners? Yeah, topics, series of conversation. Um, yeah, I also love just free, free balling, as they say. Um, and, and no, they don't say that. They don't say that. Uh, no, whatever. Not, not about styling. Maybe that's free, the free potting. Maybe I don't okay. know. Free free casting. Maybe that'd yeah. be better. It's definitely not free balling. Anyway, we're here to help. All right. Well, everyone, thanks for listening. Appreciate you guys joining us, and we'll chat with you next week.